This isn't laid out as a question, it's more laid out as a statement, but I, I think we can engage and listen in a little bit on it. Bar Scott says, The Apostle John taught how the command to agape love others fulfills the intent of the law. You simply can't agape love others and break the Mosaic law. Uh, then uh, those that claim that agape love leads to lawlessness simply can't, uh, simply haven't fulfilled Yeshua's command to agape love others. When Paul stresses that we are not under the law, he doesn't mean that the law was done away with either. He simply means that the new covenant provided a better way of fulfilling the law. As Jeremiah 31 says, God will write the law on our hearts. That doesn't mean that God just wrote the 613 laws in another place, from stone to letter to heart. It means that God provided a better way to fulfill the law. Nor is agape love just a feeling that you have. True love will lead to actions of love for your brothers. And then there's a quote from John 13, 34 and 35. The quote is, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now there's, there's a lot going on. In um, that statement, it hasn't been phrased as a question, but I, I think we can engage on it as a question. Let's start off by just talking about love. Let's talk about love. When we read love in the Bible, what are we reading, Peter? What, what is the word love in Scripture? Sure. And, and what what's this agape thing that's going on here? So um, there's a lot of great people I can quote that give good and, and puffy definitions on what love is. Uh, I think one of the, the best that I've recently heard, I think it's from Paul Tripp where he says, <clears throat> sorry, where he says love is seeking and doing what the, what is good for someone else, even at cost to yourself. Mm. Um, Self-sacrificial yes, love. That was very, I think that was very concise in, mm. in, in summarizing it. And then, yeah, he specifically mentions the Greek word agape, you know, which, which there's a lot if you Google it, you can get a lot on, on that word. Some things over the top, some things valid. Mm. Um, but just this em this emphasis of unconditional love. Mm. Um, and um, and what I appreciate about the comment is that, uh, that uh, love does not lead to lawlessness, I think is actually very well put. Because that, that reminds me of John 14 verse 15, mm. where Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Mm. Um, and our obedience to the Lord is not based on on our desire to 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 go want to go to heaven, but our obedience to the Lord is based on our love for the Lord. We yes. we obey Him because we love Him. Yes. We don't obey Him to be loved. I yes. think that's a crucial distinction. Yeah. Anything to add there, Jonathan? I think the the comment is in incredibly helpful and and kind of follows the sense that we find in in the Ten Commandments itself. You know, loving God. Is is flown into our, our love of of one another, um, as we express that love for God, as we as we worship Him, that that does play out into our love for for our fellow man, uh, but particularly uh, fellow believers. Mm. Uh, maybe a couple of things just to say on love itself. Um, the word love existed in terms of agape before John used it, but he seems to. Have appropriated it from the Greek language and applied it in a way which was unique and changed the way that it was used forever. 
um, agape becomes a divine love. It becomes self-sacrificing love. It becomes love in its purest and most fullest essence. It can be compared to other forms of love. Um, we talk about a kind of brotherly love. Philadelphia, the the city of love, uh, is related to the the the, the Greek word uh, that's used for love. Um, a more kind of charitable, uh, not charitable, a more kind of brotherly affection, one might say. And then eros, which would be kind of like a deeper stirring sexual desire that a man might have for a woman, um, kind of love. Agape love stands separate to that and is used bountifully in the New Testament. I mean, it, it really, it, it's used a lot in the words of Christ, in the words of all the writers of the epistle, um, and certainly in the words of John, the disciple whom Christ loved. Uh, and so this agape love is is almost hard-baked into the essence of who God is. We talk about the attributes of God, God being holy, 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 that's holy to the nth degree. And we talk about like, what is God in his essence? And one of the things that we know about God is that God is light and we know that God is love. And the type of love that God is, is this agape love. Now, God who is love is in no sense lawless. God is in no sense lawless. He is in no sense given over to licentiousness, um, nor will he suffer the lawless even in his presence. Uh, and so certainly agape love doesn't give us freedom um, from uh, the moral law of God. Um, I do think that it that it is necessary to point out though that Jesus Christ came and filled the law in its entirety, mm. every jot and tittle, he fulfilled um, the law. He did not come to abolish the law, but he literally, Jesus Christ, stood in our place and fulfilled the law that we could never fulfill. Um, and 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 we are still, as believers, under command. Um, we are motivated differently uh, to those who are legalistic, though. Uh, that is important mm. to note. Jesus mm -hmm. had. No place, no time for legalism. Um, he did not desire um, uh, circumcision. He did not desire even offerings. Mm. He, he desired the circumcision of the heart, a heart which was given wholly over to him. Um, the description of, of how we are to relate to God is love the Lord your God, and that would be agape love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your body, your strength. Everything that you have mm. is to be to God um, but it is to be love that motivates all of that. And so um, the fruit of salvation is obedience to Jesus Christ. Um, salvation itself is a heart stirred in love towards God. I've spent quite a bit of time. Yeah. Uh, a person actually asked a question uh, online regarding catechism. Well, didn't ask a question. They also made a statement uh, regarding catechisms and creeds and the use of the word love and particularly God's use of the word love. And um, God is certainly described in the creeds that, that I read, the Westminster and the um, 1689. Uh, the love of God is described there. But it's very interesting when you look for the word love in the creeds, love is only described of God once. Our love for God is described. Uh, I'm going to take a guess seven times in both the Westminster and the 1689 um, and by that um, I'm sure that the divines and by using the word divine I just mean the guys that wrote the creeds um, really understood that if we are to be motivated to mm. good works it must be a motivation of love for God that spills out in obedience toward him definitely actually interesting 
yesterday in the year 1538 there was a big debate that was happening come on now <laughs> 1538 yeah. who was debating in 1538 uh, martin luther martin there luther. you go <laughs> tell us a little bit about martin luther so uh, this is not the the church history segment this is just related <laughs> okay. to the topic how uh, do you know uh, how uh, does anyone know that this day in 1538 martin luther was having it uh, how do people know that email subscriptions <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> who are you subscribing no. to um well there's a there's a few actually i'll share it, but uh, there's a few websites called like Today or This Week or This Month in Church History, those type please, of websites. Please <laughs> drop those all in the show notes. I have so, no doubt a couple of people will so be interested in it's that. It's very relevant to this discussion because <laughs> yeah. there was a debate that, that Martin Luther was invited to speak uh, or to engage with regarding his stance, his, his retrieval of the old truth that we are saved by grace alone, not yes. by grace and good works. Yes. And the objection was that if we say that people are saved by grace alone, that will lead them to live lives of lawlessness. Or the, the yeah. fancy term that was thrown in the debate, if you read about it, is this term antinomianism, to yes. be to have no law or against the law. Maybe maybe say the term again and say the definition again, because it's actually an important term and an important definition if you read Puritans, if you read church history, if you read even contemporary speakers, the, the word antinomianism is going to come up a couple mm. of times. It's related to the word nomos, which means law. Uh, maybe just give the word and the definition again. Yeah, if I'm, uh, that's if I'm pronouncing it right, antinomianism, yes. uh, meaning against law or no law. Um, and and uh, the accusation against Martin Luther and the reformers were that if they preach grace alone, that people are saved by grace, it will lead people or cause people to live with grace as a license to sin, to live in sin, to live lawlessly. Mm -hmm. Lawlessly. In fact, this is a contemporary. This isn't just something that was discussed in fifteen. Did you say thirty-nine? Thirty-eight. Fifteen thirty-eight. Um, very recently, just a few years ago, one of the grandchildren of Billy Graham, uh, a pastor in the States, who eventually fell into sin, uh, like grievous sin. Um, so I'm not going to name him because it's not really important right now. Um, but he was making that argument sure. um, wow. that, that we're not under law. We're under grace. Um, and so, yeah. And, and I've, I've also heard a couple of false teachers, um, and I'm thinking of one um, false teacher that comes from the um, the continent of Asia in particular uh, that that talks about free grace, but mm. not in a kind of reformed sense. He, he talks about a kind of a cheapened grace, a, a grace that means that I must never refer to myself as a sinner yeah. um, because I'm saved, and therefore God doesn't view me as a sinner, and therefore you know, there's no need to confess. Uh, just some really, really bad stuff. Yeah, and, and that's a shame. Um, but I, I think how Martin Luther responded to the, that same criticism in his days still relevant to us. Martin Luther went to, to Titus chapter 2, yes. specifically verses 11 to, to oh, I'll read for us if you don't mind, up sure, until 14. Martin, uh, he wrote, he read this probably in Latin or German. I'm, I'm going to read the English for us if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm reading from the ESV, uh, Titus. 2 verse 11 for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in the present age waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ Amen. who gave himself 
for us, to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. And Martin Luther <clears throat> made the argument that the grace of God not only saves people, yes. but trains people. It sanctifies you. Yes. Evidence of God's grace, saving grace in your life is that you will be conformed to the image of Christ, that you will be trained for holiness. Uh, and, and that's so profound because that shows us that grace, the grace of Christ, isn't the first step in the Christian journey. It permeates. It is the Christian journey. There is no Christian journey without grace. Yes. Because that's how we start. And it's by the grace of God that we are made holy. And it's by the grace of Christ that we will one day reach the gates of heaven. I, I'm not trying to help Martin out because he was quite capable of debating all by himself. Um, but I would also appeal to the writings of Paul. Paul himself anticipates that his grace will be misunderstood. Mm. He writes the book of Romans. He writes the first five chapters. He gets the, And he's just talking about salvation. He's talking about the fact that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He's talking about the fact that there is no one righteous, no, not one. He gets to the end of his um, ideas in chapter 5. And he's built up this case that if we are to be saved, it will be by grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. And then he anticipates the objection and chapter 6 opens with the words, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And his answer is by no means. It is an explicit statement. It is a, a, a statement which is loaded. In the English it ends in an exclamation mark. And he says, How can we who died to sin still live in it? In other words, we are saved by grace alone. But grace alone cannot become an argument for licentiousness um, we are saved by grace alone and that grace compels us mm. to both love God and be obedient to him and now we're not talking about legalism because legalism is let's say obedience without the motivation of love it's obedience for the sake of self righteousness um, whereas those who are compelled by love have recognized that they are not self-righteous that they need a righteousness that comes from another and they see the man Jesus Christ dying for their sins and they recognize that he is God sufficient to pay for their sins and uh, and call on his name Amen. I love Jesus. Yeah, I think <laughs> it was also Martin Luther who commented on that that uh, Romans 6 where, where he just mentions that we are saved by grace alone, but grace never stays alone. That yeah. the fruit Ooh, yes. of, a, of a life, of a heart that has received grace would be works, good works, holiness. William says to a previous question that we asked, favorite book, um, says Psalms, and uh, Maria says, thank you, God. Amen. Jonathan, anything to add to the conversation so far? Uh, I think uh, just just in light of, of grace, I like what um, Peter said at the end, uh, grace doesn't stay alone. Yes. And, and I think that therein is is really the the proof of a, a life that has been completely transformed by grace is there is an outworking. Yes. There is a, a, a pouring out. There is a, a love for one another. There is a, an obedience because why would we not want to obey the Lord? Why would yes. we not want to be involved uh, in serving him in, in loving one another if um, I mean why wouldn't we want to do that why wouldn't we want to demonstrate our love for God yes. uh, it's, it's all the it's all worship it's all obedience it's all it's all grace uh, from beginning to end and I, 
I love uh, Hebrews 12 in that, uh, that he is the founder and perfecter of our faith. It's, it's Christ's work from beginning to end. <laughs> and what a joy that is. But it, there must be an outwork. And it is Christ's work from beginning to end. You, yeah. you, I mean, th- this, this affection, and it's a holy affection, and maybe just to deal uh, with something that was said by Bar, and thank you very much. You've really given us a, a conversation to speak about, uh, that agape love is, is, is uh, not just a feeling that you have. Uh, true love will lead to actions of love for your brothers. You, you are right in saying that, that agape love is not just a feeling. Agape love... Uh, is a motivation which results in actions. Uh, it, 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 it has to. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a propelling love, but it, but it, uh, it is an affection, um, and yet it's commanded. We are commanded by God to love God. God commands us to love Himself, but that which God commands. Um, and yeah, I'm thinking of a book by John Piper. I read through it with a Bible study a few years ago. Uh, the name, I think, is what God demands from the world. It might be what Jesus demands from the world. It's available from desiringgod.org, and it's a free download book, um, well worth reading, um, very provocative. But what John Piper says is that which God commands, God enables. And we see that in Scripture. God commands us to love us, uh, to love himself. And yet we read in Scripture that we love God because he first loved us and that God is the source of all love and that God pours love out into us that we might overflow in it. Um, We have a remarkable Savior.